It is Friday, April 30th from Draft Shark Studios East. I'm here at the NFL Draft Retreat, the annual one for Draft Sharks. We had to take it off last year, but back at it this year. I'm Matt Schaff, and I'm by myself, so I must be talking about defensive players. We've got the first round of the NFL Draft out of the way. It took half the dra- half the round before we started seeing defensive guys go off, pretty much. We got some corners early, but linebackers, edge players started going after that. Those are the guys that we're more interested in for our rookie drafts and for redraft, and we'll get to some of those guys right now. First off, every single linebacker and edge player who went in the first round last night is a speed score winner. I'll get to some of those specific numbers both as I talk about each player and in an upcoming articles on DraftSharks.com and, of course, in my rookie rankings that will be coming out after the NFL draft. So right now, though, let's go one by one through some of the guys who could be most impactful or not, depending on where they landed. Micah Parsons, the first one, the linebacker to Dallas at number 12, a class best 129.6 speed score for him. That's the top speed score among the past three linebacker classes, and that's even taking into account the downward adjustment to his 40 time for it being a pro day. So the question with Micah Parsons, where does he fit in Dallas? They still have Leighton Vander Esch. They still have Jalen Smith under contract. Sean Lee did retire. So Sean Lee's retirement gives initial opportunity. The problem is that opportunity is not full-time. Sean Lee hasn't been a full-time player since 2017. So if Micah Parsons starts out in that role, he's going to be a part-time player for these Cowboys. Now, the bigger question, uh, Leighton Vander Esch, he's had those neck issues that were a concern coming into the NFL. So they have not picked up his fifth year option yet. You know, by the time you're listening to this, they might have done so. They don't have to do that until the middle of May. But I wouldn't be shocked if the Cowboys do not pick up Leighton Vander Esch's option. So that could create more of an opportunity for full time uh, play as soon as this year, if he competes with Micah Parsons for that spot, but at least by next year, Jalen Smith's probably locked in for at least a couple more years. He's been a little up and down, but overall the Cowboys have been happy. They're paying him. So expect Jalen Smith to stick around. There could be a better landing spot, could have been a better landing spot for Micah Parsons, but you know, this one will work out. I don't think that Micah Parsons will drop in the rookie rankings versus where he would have been otherwise. Zaven Collins to Arizona later in the first round. The question here is how he fits with Isaiah Simmons and what his arrival means for Isaiah Simmons, really. Simmons was the first-round pick of Arizona last year, going even a little bit earlier than Zayvon Collins did. Simmons never really settled into a regular full-time role, though, last year. He played some on the edge. Uh, He played some inside, but never played at a a starter level at inside linebacker. So is the Zayvon Collins pick a signal that Isaiah Simmons is just going to be kind of a versatile piece that's moving around and playing different spots and not settling into an off-ball linebacker role? We'll see. They still have Jordan Hicks. They still have Devondre Campbell. I don't think Devondre Campbell blocks anybody else if both Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons prove ready for more playing time this year. But, you know, it's a challenger in case the rookie or the second-year guy are not ready, as Simmons proved last year. The other question is, Maybe Arizona sees Zayvon Collins as a potential edge defender in their defense. Devin Kennard was basically a starter, played the most snaps opposite uh, Chandler Jones in the defense last year. So maybe they see Zayvon Collins taking some of that away from Devin Kennard. You know, we'll see how it all works out. 
Collins did have 25 career tackles for loss over 32 games at Tulsa. He also had four interceptions last season, though. So he's not simply a come forward player. He can also play in coverage. Huge guy. Again, we'll watch and see what the Cardinals coaches have to say about his role. Jamin Davis probably had the best landing spot of round one among these linebackers. Number 19 to Washington, the top three linebackers on the Washington depth chart heading into draft weekend, John Bostic, Cole Holcomb, Josh Harvey Clemens. None of those guys is keeping Jamin Davis from doing whatever he proves ready for. So Davis had just one full season starting at Kentucky, but he delivered 102 tackles there, four tackles for loss, three interceptions in 10 games, blew up his pro day. That's when he became a more popular and prominent name. 98th percentile or better in the 40-yard dash, in the vertical, in the broad jump. So expect Jamin Davis to earn a starting job right away in Washington. If he doesn't, I would say it's a disappointment. And he could well be the top redraft scorer among this rookie class of linebackers. Jalen Phillips wound up being the first edge defender off the board to Miami at 18. I like it. I think Jalen Phillips is a better pass rushing prospect than Quiddy Pay. Had the injury issues in college, but... Uh, apparently Miami's not worried about that because, again, he was the first edge off the board. He actually retired briefly during his college career because of injury after those two years at UCLA, but quickly returned, transferred to Miami. Last year had 15 and a half tackles for loss, eight sacks, four pass deflections, spent four years at the college level. But even with that, Jalen Phillips hit the draft just shy of his 22nd birthday, turns 22 in May. So age is certainly on Jalen Phillips' side. Production's on his side. Athletic ability is on his side. Again, like I said, everybody who was drafted in round one on the edge is a speed score winner. So Jalen Phillips brings the kind of profile that we're looking for in an edge defender. I like him there. We'll see if he settles in as a defensive end or a linebacker for fantasy purposes. That's the one thing that could ding his fantasy value a little bit. You know, let's hope that we're all getting a little closer to these commission sites, just naming all these guys edge players and not differentiating between defensive end and linebacker because that's, you know, it's a difference that doesn't need to happen and it it changes the values kind of artificially when they're all basically doing the same thing at the NFL level. But, you know, for now, that's what we're working with. We'll see exactly where Phillips settles in on that front. Quiddy Pay landed with the Colts shortly thereafter. Good spot for him for immediate starting duty. The Colts have Al-Quadin Muhammad and Taekwon Lewis listed as their top defensive ends right now. I think they'll certainly stay in rotation and there are other guys that will rotate in as well. Um, we'll see if Kamoko Ture is ready to actually contribute. Ben Banigou is still there. So they have guys, but they also don't have any stars left at that position. So Pay could grab as much playing time as he proves ready for. I think he'll, he's going to need a little bit of time to develop his pass rush moves. The athleticism is there. The speed's there. 89th percentile speed score among edge defenders. A little on the short side, 6'2 and a half, 261 pounds. So, you know, I'm not sure how much more weight he can add to that. He's obviously not going to get taller at this point. The Colts certainly like what he brings in terms of the size and athleticism package. He was productive in 2019, six and a half sacks, 12 and a half tackles for loss, played only four games in 2020. So it's tough to gauge what he did there. So we'll see exactly what his role is, but there's room for Pay to quickly produce in Indianapolis. Peyton Turner was a bit of a surprise to the Saints a little bit later in round one. Gregory Russo went to the Bills in a similar range. Both of those guys, Turner and Russo, probably need some time to develop before they can be ready for starter-level playing time in the NFL. Both can likely stand to add strength, especially Russo is very skinny um, and opted out of last season, so it's probably going to need some time to work into form. Turner had some injury issues 
in college as well. But again, the, the, the Saints taking him in round one says that they feel comfortable with that area. For, as far as I'm concerned, there's not probably not too much pressure for Peyton Turner to produce right away. The Saints still have Cameron Jordan and Marcus Davenport to start at the end spots, even though they lost Trey Hendrickson in free agency. Hendrickson's departure, I think, leaves snaps available, certainly. So Turner can work into that rotation. We'll see how quickly he's ready to produce. But there is big upside to him. Tall guy, long arms. He can give us the numbers that we need. The Bills are a little bit more in need of pass rush help. So I wouldn't be surprised if Russo gets pushed along a little quicker if he's ready for it. He lands in a great spot for developing his you know, strength and ability. Sean McDermott, the head coach, Leslie Frazier, the defensive coordinator, even Eric Washington, the defensive line coach. Those guys have all worked together for many years across multiple teams. So it's a good spot for Russo to develop. And again, Buffalo needs help. They have Jerry Hughes as their top pass rusher at the moment and not a whole lot else going for him. Trent Murphy has not worked out since signing. The other guys are getting old. They took A.J. Epinesa in round two last year, but I mean, I thought at the time when they drafted him that he's too slow to really contribute a whole lot as a pass rusher, at least on the edge in the NFL, was very quiet as a rookie, did not see full playing time at any point, saw probably even less playing time than the Bills would have hoped, I would imagine. So I think Russo has a lot more upside than A.J. Epinesa. I don't think Epinesa being there affects Russo's outlook at all. We'll see how quickly Russo is ready to contribute, though. Odafe Owe to the Ravens a little bit later. and. He went by Jason. That's probably how you know him from college. But he said shortly after the Ravens drafted him, he's going to go by his first name of Odafe in the NFL instead of his middle name. A speed athleticism freak, second best speed score among all edge prospects over the past five drafts behind only Montez Sweat, who made headlines for how fast he was. That's what Owe did this year, too. So obviously lots of speed and athleticism coming here because that was the 40 time was not the only nice number coming out of his pro day workout. Zero sacks last season is the number we don't like, but Owe did have six and a half tackles for loss in seven games. He was first team all big 10, even with zero sacks. So the coaches at least respected what he did. The Ravens clearly respected what he did. Landing in Baltimore probably means a linebacker uh, designation for Owe. That dings the fantasy value. You know, what league you're in really affects how much that ding is. There are certainly leagues out there that favor pressure numbers. And even if you're a linebacker, you can still be a top scorer um, if if you're an edge defender. So Owe probably is going to need some time to work on his pass rush moves. But kind of similar to Buffalo, Baltimore let Yannick Ngakwe go after last season. They let Matt Judon go a couple of years a couple of years ago, last offseason, I guess it was Darius Smith left, or maybe it was two years ago at this point. Either way, over the past few years, the Ravens have let several edge defenders who were playing starting level snaps leave. So they're replenishing that. This is the first time that they have drafted an edge rusher in round one since Terrell Suggs in 2003. Every other team in the NFL had drafted an edge defender in the first round in that time. So there's opportunity for Owe if he proves ready to seize it. Joe Tryon closed out the first round as the pick of the Buccaneers. He opted out of 2020, but in 2019 had eight sacks, 12 and a half tackles for loss in 13 games for Washington. In Tampa Bay, he has time to develop. He's behind Jason Pierre-Paul. He's behind Shaq Barrett for now. Shaq Barrett signed at least through 2023, so he's going to be there for at least the next three years. JPP, though, is only signed through this coming season, and it's going to be his age 32 campaign. So 
We could see Jason Pierre-Paul be gone as soon as 2022. Maybe Joe Tryon's ready to take over that spot. Maybe that's a factor on whether they try to re-sign JPP or let him walk. But either way, Joe Tryon's an upside guy, lands in a good spot. Another speed score winner, just like all of the edge players were. And we'll talk more about that in articles on DraftSharks.com. Hit on the corners real quick. They're, you know, much lower impact IDP guys, but there's some impact. J.C. Horn to Carolina, Patrick Sertan to Denver, Caleb Farley to Tennessee, Greg Newsom the second to Cleveland, Eric Stokes to Green Bay. Those are the five cornerbacks in, in the first round. J.C. Horn clearly in position to start right away in Carolina unless he stinks in camp or gets hurt. Those are the only two ways that he won't start. Frankly, in Carolina, he might even have a bad camp and still be able to start for that team because they have a big need there. Patrick Sertan in Denver not such a clear path to starting right away. They signed Ronald Darby in free agency, traded for Kyle Fuller. I don't think Kyle Fuller blocks Patrick Sertan if Sertan proves you know better at this point. If they like Sertan better this summer, maybe Kyle Fuller is the third corner and Sertan's the starter across from Darby. But there's room for Sertan to not be a starter right away. So we'll have to watch him through the summer to see what happens. Caleb Farley to Tennessee, similar to J.C. Horn in Carolina, he could start right away if he proves ready. The only question on him is the medical. The fact that he went in round one says Tennessee is at least willing to gamble on him being healthier in the pros than he was in college. And I mean, this guy seems like the kind of player to bet on. If he stays healthy, there's probably no ceiling on what he can do. He arrived at Virginia Tech as a quarterback, planning to move to wide receiver, spent his freshman year working out a wide receiver. Then they moved him to defense, spent two years playing cornerback, and all of a sudden, People are saying that if he were healthy, if he didn't have the injury history, multiple back surgeries behind him, and an ACL tear, he would have been the top corner drafted in this draft. That shows you what the talent level is for Caleb Farley. So, you know, fingers crossed that he stays healthy and he's able to capitalize on that stuff. We'll see how he makes it through the summer and whether he lands in the starting lineup. Greg Newsom the second to Cleveland. He should be competing with Greedy Williams, but that's probably going to depend on how Greedy Williams' shoulder is. Has nerve issues in there. You know, I wonder whether picking Newsom is a hedge on Greedy Williams ever getting that shoulder right. We'll see about that. Certainly there's room for three corners if Greedy Williams is good to go and Newsom's ready to go. So we'll watch that competition, see if Newsom's going to be a starter. Eric Stokes, the final corner in round one, goes to Green Bay, should start in Kevin King's spot right away. Kevin King, awful playoffs, particularly in the spotlight negatively against Tampa Bay in that loss in the championship game. So Eric Stokes, a very fast guy. We'll watch that competition to make sure he does land a starting job this summer. That's going to do it for this quick IDP pod. Stay tuned for more reactions on to defensive and offensive players who land in round two of the NFL draft tonight. Noon Eastern today, we will also be coming at you with a live stream of an FFPC best ball draft, looking at some initial reactions to what went down on Thursday night. You can follow all the instant reactions in the Shark Bites section on DraftSharks.com. Free reads on all those. And you can find us all on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. I am at ShaufDS. It's S-C-H-A-U-F. For the entire DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Shaf saying thanks so much for swimming with me.